Hello and welcome to A Queer Understanding, weekly conversations about all things queer. We are your hosts, Dr. Angelica Thompson and Akessa Thompson. For more information about the show and to hear more episodes, visit us at aqueerunderstanding.com. Catherine Sullivan, B.S., works as an epidemiology research associate at Vitalent Research Institute, the research arm of Vitalent, the blood collection organization. Catherine is a study coordinator for the Advanced Study in Memphis, an FDA-funded pilot study to consider new approaches for selecting gay and bisexual men to be blood donors. Catherine is here to tell us all about this study. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks for being on. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm really excited to talk to you. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and the work that you Okay, awesome. So my name is Catherine Sullivan, and I work for Vitalent Research Institute, which is a research organization based in San Francisco that is connected to Vitalin, the blood bank, which has branches nationwide, including in Memphis. And I am the Memphis study coordinator for a study called the Advanced Study, which is an FDA-funded pilot study that's going on in eight cities currently. And we are hoping to provide data to the FDA to possibly change the MSM blood donation policy, which in this case, MSM, the men who have sex with men blood donation policy which is currently a three-month deferral. Explain it a little bit more. So if a gay or bisexual man is sexually active and presents to donate blood, if they have been sexually active within the last three months, they'll be asked not to donate. Okay. How long has that, is that an FDA regulation? Yes, this is an FDA regulation. Okay. What got you interested in this work or this project? I have been interested in public health for a long time and have worked in different aspects of that. My undergrad is in biology and anthropology and sociology. And right after I graduated school, I was an ER scribe and then most recently was a COVID-19 contact tracer. And so worked in different areas of of literally the health of the public, right? Public mm-hmm. health. And when I had the opportunity to work on this project, I thought this is a really unique project, but also something that could have a huge impact on really the country mm-hmm. and, and going forward. Because the MSM policy, of course, can have some controversy associated with it, but it has come a long way from being an indefinite ban to a year deferral to three months. And what this study is hoping to do is change, instead of having it be a time-based deferral, have a person be judged by their own behavior. So it'll be an individual risk assessment. Okay. What's interesting, if people don't know, there is no ban for lesbians or bisexual women. It is just for gay and bisexual men. Is that right? So there is not anything that I'm aware of that is connected to lesbian women, no. But if it is a woman who has sex with a man who has had sex with another man, they are also asked not to donate for three months. Wow. But that obviously 
is not as talked about as much, right? Because the gay men and the bisexual men part of this is certainly talked about much more. Does this policy affect transgender women? Because, you know, transgender women are women. So they identify women. So I'm wondering what is the caveat then? I believe what it is, it is determined what sex someone was assigned at birth. Oh. That is how their risk is determined. Interesting. What are some of the ways, from your experience, you see this affecting gay men? There has been a lot of ways. I've had over 30 participants now, and I've had the opportunity to have a lot of great conversations. And many have opened up to me to tell me why they decided to participate in this study. For some, it was they really just want to help and they want to be able to donate blood. Maybe it was because someone in their family needed a blood transfusion or had leukemia or, you know, or something like that. Also, the aspect of maybe they were in high school. And, you know, a lot of schools do blood drives, right? Well, if they're sexually active at the time, that might have been the first time that they realized that being a gay or bisexual man, it has practical effects where they were turned away, where people at workplace, if there are blood drives at the workplace, same thing. If a group of people are getting together and say, oh, let's go donate. And then they have to say, oh, no, I can't. There's actually a storyline on Grey's Anatomy recently just about that. That's actually how I knew about it. I embarrassed. I was not aware before until that episode. I was like, wow. Yeah, I'm always aware of it, but it's just downright discrimination. And it goes back to the AIDS epidemic where the stereotype was that AIDS was a disease for gay men. So it's just another piece to it where they can actually use something to discriminate against members of the LGBTQIA community. I will leave a comment for the work you're doing to bring some highlight to this, to this situation that needs to be addressed. Right. And the FDA recognizes that and that's do the, you know, the blood banks around the country, which is why there has been, you know, the science has come so far in terms of testing and as have, I suppose, attitudes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it is the right time to be able to do something about this, especially because many other countries around the world are changing their policies. The UK, I believe it was last summer, changed their MSM policy to be more open. I can't remember the details of it, of how they changed it exactly, but it praised for being more inclusive. And that is what, you know, is the end goal, because when more people can safely donate blood, we all benefit. So At the end of the day, if this study is successful and we can provide data to the FDA that lead them to change the policy, then we all can benefit, especially as blood shortages can be pretty prevalent. Do you know what led to their willingness to actually explore alternatives to the current guidelines? I don't actually. I know that this study has been in the works for several years (laughs) and it was actually supposed to launch in 2020. And of course, the COVID pandemic. Of okay. sidelined, but I know that there, unfortunately, the FDA is a very risk averse organization. Not necessarily unfortunately, but it is just the fact, right? And so things move very slowly. But I think it's a combination of the HIV testing becoming more and more precise, attitudes changing, and probably public pressure as well that we need to do something about this. It's, it's not fair that people are turned away because of their identity and they're not being equally judged by what their behavior is. Remind me again, how many states are participating and do they have a particular goal for how many participants? 
Yes. So this study is actually being run by three blood banks across the country, Vitalin, One Blood, and the American Red Cross. And it is being held in eight cities. So each blood bank is in charge of a couple cities. So Vitalant is doing the study in San Francisco, Memphis, and then Baton Rouge in New Orleans. And the American Red Cross is doing the study in Washington, D.C., Atlanta, and Los Angeles. And One Blood is doing the study in Orlando and Miami. Okay. And what exactly does participation look like? What could someone who is interested in being a part of the study, expect to experience? So the study is appointment-based and there are two appointments as part of the study, an enrollment visit and then a follow-up visit. Total would be between an hour and an hour and a half of someone's time and they are paid. So if someone is interested, they can go to the website, advancedstudy.org. And then scroll down to the map and then choose Memphis and then make an appointment with me. Since I'm the study coordinator, I'm the one that is doing the study visits. And at the actual day of the study visit is a series of questionnaires, an eligibility questionnaire, and then the actual advanced questionnaire, which are the questions that are being tested in the study. And then is a small blood draw. It's just 18 milliliters. And then after that, we schedule a follow-up visit. And they are paid. The blood is tested for HIV and tenofovir, which is one of the drugs in PrEP. And people do not have to be on PrEP to be part of the study, which is one of the variables being tested. Okay. So other than the criteria of a man having sex with a man within the last three months, what are the other criteria? So to have been sexually active with another man in the last three months, like you said, to be between the ages of 18 and 39, and to live in the general metro area of one of the cities that I mentioned. Those are the basic criteria. If someone meets those three things, then they should sign up for an appointment. How long is this study going to be going on? So the study has been going on in Memphis since June of last year. And across the country, we are hoping to get to 2,000 participants okay. total and across all the sites. And the study will enroll through the end of September. So the end goal is to make it so that men can give blood just as any other groups, right? So apart from the blood drive, what has it is being put in place that you know of to really push this effort forward? Because you already know the amazing company and say, oh, you know what, it's not enough samples of the samples were contaminated or come up with something. So this is not through what are the factors that are put in place? Well, I think this might answer your question. So the study has partnered with a number of LGBTQ plus organizations in each city. For instance, in Memphis, we're partnered with Out Memphis and Friends for Life. I actually do study visits at The Corner, which is their sexual health clinic. But we have partnered with a lot of different organizations to try to help get the word out. And then there have been outside organizations that have seen the importance of this study and have taken it into their own hands to spread the word, which, you know, is appreciated. For instance, the human rights campaign is doing a campaign of advertisements on Tinder and that they have teamed up with Match.com to do advertisements on Tinder about the study to let more people know about it. Oh, wow. Okay. How can someone volunteer if they want to help out? We are already opportunity. Well, one way that people can help is to spread the word about the study. If you have a friend who you think might be eligible or might be interested in helping change this policy, 
telling people about it, posting on social media, just having conversations with your friends. That is something that can be very impactful because so many people have learned about this study through word of mouth. We actually ask people how they've learned about the study. And time after time, people say that they have learned about the study through either a conversation with a friend or an acquaintance. Mm -hmm. And so especially hearing information from somebody you trust makes a big difference. So if you say, hey, you know, I think that this would be very important to change this policy and then tell your friends to sign up for the study. And then also just, I guess, as an ongoing matter, if you are healthy and eligible to donate blood, doing that is also something that you can do to serve your community. Right. Okay. Once this study is completed, is it going to go through Congress, House, and all of that for approval? So this is an FDA policy. So okay. this is not a lawmaking matter. However, multiple congressmen have voiced support for this study. So there is definitely support in the legislature, but it is the FDA's role to make guidelines to determine the way to keep the blood supply safe. This is what the FDA is putting their attention and money, honestly, behind, right? They, like I said, are a risk-averse organization. So as much as they are going to pay attention to data from other countries that have changed their policies, they want their own data so that they can take that and make decisions and changes based on the data from this study. Right. And this is a pilot study. So there is the possibility that the FDA will then later on want to do a larger study. Okay. Good to know. What's well, in great information? Remind us again if someone wants to be a study participant anywhere in any of those cities, what do they need to do? So, first thing is to go to advancedstudy.org to sign up for a study appointment in your city. So if you are a gay bisexual man between the ages of 18 and 39 and you're interested in becoming a blood donor and want to make a difference for your community, this is one great way to do that. Great. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, Ketrin, for being on today. We really appreciate you coming on bringing some good news that there is some light at the end of the tunnel because this has been an ongoing issue of discrimination against the community and it's time. It's 2022. It's time for something to change. And the work you're doing, we really appreciate it. And we're going to push it as much as possible and get the word out there. So listeners, there you have it. Catherine Sullivan, Epidemiology Research Associate, Vitalant Research Institute. Thanks again, Catherine, for being on. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for shedding light on this important topic. Thanks for listening to A Queer Understanding. We hope you heard something that resonated with or inspired you. Join us next week right here at A Queer Understanding. And as always, live your truth and be unapologetically you.